Hey everyone and welcome to episode 16 of Platform Enterprise. I'm your host Rachel Donald and for those of you who don't know me I'm a writer and a journalist. You can find my work at www.platformenterprise.com where you can also subscribe to get brilliant content like this podcast delivered to your inbox every week. On this week's show is Baruch Gottlieb who runs the project Telekommunisten. Our conversation explores the relationship between data, democracy, and economics, and introduces Telecommunistan's latest cryptocurrency project, Hackit, which Baruch describes as Bitcoin without the distortion. There's so much to get out of this episode, so before you go, please give the show a five-star rating and leave a comment if you're feeling generous. All right, let's get into it. Enjoy the show. Baruch, thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for to Blake for passing on my name. <laughs> for the suggestion. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to continue the, the philosophy of technology um, conversation, actually, and maybe the politics of technology, uh, because a lot of what Blake touched on in the, the previous episode was fascinating. And I think that not enough people actually know about like the potential kind of liberating effects of technology, but mm -hmm. you've been working on a project for a couple of years now, haven't you? Telecommunist. How do I say it? Telecommunistin. Yeah. Telecommunistin. Mm -hmm. Telecommunistin. Could you speak a little bit about that? Uh, Telecommunistin is an art project, uh, an art collective. It's the uh, composition changes, uh, has changed over the years, um, uh, you know, the name um, comes from a kind of a, uh, a pejorative way to refer to the German uh, internet service provider, which used to be the only one here because uh, it was, you know, I mean, all uh, telecommunications was run by the post office originally in Germany. Then it, it, it uh, changed to something called Deutsche Telekom, which you may know in the States as T-Mobile or Magenta or something like that. And all those, all those things, that's, those are the, those are the descendants of the German uh, post office, uh, which controlled all uh, all communication in uh, in Germany. And uh, Deutsche Telekom uh, was, you know, being a monopoly was not uh, so fast, especially at the in the early internet period, at like setting up people's connection or like uh, troubleshooting connections. And so they became known for their, you know, being very bureaucratic and taking a long time to do things. So there's this pejorative that went around called telecommunistin and uh, so that you know because communists of course are very uh, bureaucratic right and uh and so um and somebody had had, had named their router actually telecommunistin and uh, and my uh my partner in telecommunistin uh, dimitri d decided to uh you know kind of reclaim that and queer that and uh, make it a um a positive I mean, the, the idea there is that, uh, you know, we want to we want to reclaim uh, the word. I mean, at that time, you can imagine it was like 10 years ago it was before Bernie. Right. Like, uh, you know, uh, the word communist was like fill, filled with stigma, like richly filled with stigma uh, in every dimension. It still is. I mean, you can still in, you know, as you can see, like uh, during the last election, like Trump is calling Biden a communist or something <laughs> like that. It's like amazing, you know, that. Uh, that, but I mean, that really does arouse mortal fear in uh, people who have been really conditioned to like just as associate like communism with like uh, gray, you know, uh, lack of freedom, yeah. uh, no, no choice, uh, you know, just slavery of some kind. Uh, and um, and so we wanted to we we wanted to turn that around, you know, and we want to reclaim uh, the word communist, uh, although that's that and and also you know you know, thereby um, associate our work with the rich uh, philosophical and, and uh, philosophical and, and practical uh, uh, heritage of that's associated directly with the word communism. Okay. We don't want to be ambivalent about it. And that really ca causes some, some trouble, especially in the former East, uh, 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 former East regions of, uh, of Europe which were mm -hmm. formerly the Warsaw Pact countries there, you know, in the intervening years that uh, they've been, you know, with good reason and with bad reasons uh, have been very, very um, 
strongly, um, uh, you know, influenced by uh, messages that uh, delegitimize de the whole communist experience in that those areas. And so we run into that a lot more, uh, a lot more resistance uh, in our practice because we're based in in Berlin, uh, in the eastern former eastern countries. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a it's an art practice. We do uh, we do installations. We do uh, we write. Uh, mm -hmm. Recently, we're we're really um, kind of moving more towards workshops and you know participatory participatory practices. So that's that's an area that uh, yeah we can also talk about. We can talk about how they are. Well, what's 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 the mission we're with Telecommunistin? We have a, a kind of modest mission in, in as far as, you know, what what activities in the art world, media art world and art festivals can accomplish, you know, what, um, you know, we, we kind of bring a certain, um, a certain critical rigor to those spaces, let's say, you know, we, we're, we can be like the uh, the downers on the panel, you know, who are whenever there's like a tech conference and, you know, people want to be very enthusiastic about any particular technology. And we're the ones who are like more cautious and more, you know, concerned with certain elemental aspects of those technologies. And that's that's stuff that both of us have written about. Could you give an example of a technology that you would be cautious about that has been quite readily uh, adopted? Well, yeah, I mean, very recently is blockchain, right? So like blockchain okay. has been like uh, set upon by everybody uh, and a lot of people in the media art scene try to imagine and what often happens, I mean, the, the, the archetypal technology, of course, is just the, the web uh, and all web art and net art that happened in the, in the early 90s, uh, late 90s, in the 90s. Um, you know, the people try to uh, try to grab onto it and and find uh, some utopian, some some harbinger for utopia that's just around the corner that's in these technologies, right? And they um, and they look at them, they say, "Oh, this thing can finally break through and break down the banks and break uh, break up governments, and we're going to finally have communism." You know, blockchain communism. And there is a um, there is a book by Mark Alizar called crypto communism so there is like uh there, there is that enthusiasm but and it's you can understand i mean everybody wants a, a quick fix and and they want a, a technological fix uh because like the human uh impediments the human inertia the social inertia which seems to be on uh, uh on the way to a better society a fairer society something that would be more desirable for for everybody, something that we could all live with when, or like we could all go to bed at night and sleep having like participated in or like contributed to, uh, all that stuff seems to be, you know, really, really formidably opposed uh, by human forces. And so maybe the technology can like just blast through those human forces and like get us to another space, you know, and then we can all build it all in a different way. And we're like, they're saying like, uh, well, uh, you know, there's there are inside the technology themselves uh, structural impediments to that kind of the realization of a fully other distribution of agency, uh, wealth, etc. If if I followed that um, correctly, the the to summary to summarize would kind of be that um, our new mode of being able to do things doesn't necessarily mean that we will do things differently, i.e. if we have some kind of technology that could be revolutionary in and of itself, that doesn't mean that we're going to use it in the correct way to revolutionize, to liberate, uh, and to progress society in a more humane way, right? Correct. So what was it, because I don't know very much about blockchain, what exactly was it about blockchain that um, raised a red flag for you in it? You know, what about the way that it's built or it could be used is concerning for you? It's extremely wasteful. You know, it's just it's consuming electricity in order to do a kind of cryptographic a, a kind of computational operation. And this computational operation has to do over and over and over again. And this got and this operation is useless except to verify the, the Bitcoin blockchain. 
That's the only purpose that computation serves. It doesn't serve humanity in any other way. So we're burning all this coal uh, and producing like greenhouse gas emissions, etc., uh, in order to <laughs> produce this thing of somewhat value. I mean, Bitcoin has a revolutionary potential, maybe not revolutionary in the sense of communist revolution, but it ha has like a, it, it, a technological revolution, cer certainly in a social revolution, it does have that. You know, and, uh, people, people in our sphere, in the arts sphere, tend to, tend to associate a revolutionary technology with, a, with actually social emancipation, which is absolutely, you know, not a given. And so in the, in the end, you know, the reaction in our circles is that uh, they complain about the, how things are regulated. They complain about misuse. They complain about abuse. And they don't look at the structural impediments. Like the techno every technology just exacerbates already existing political configurations, uh, configurations of power and distributions of power. Not, not any, any technology will come along and, and, sh and shake those up in a meaningful way. They'll shake up the relations on, you know, it, among the various uh, levels. Like, for example, the, the highest ownership class level, you know, maybe some people will go bankrupt, some people will become tycoons, you know. But it, in general, the kind of distribution of, of wealth and agency will not be at all affected by any new technology. Well, why not? Because wasn't the whole exciting thing about the 90s and the, the dot-com boom and the internet was that you can code a whole new world. You can make a whole new technology out with the existing framework of how things normally fit together. So why do you think that people haven't been able to to invent isn't the right word, but manifest, I, I guess, you know, a, a revolutionary technology? Well, it's not that they haven't tried, and there's been a lot of well-meaning projects that you know we uh, support in principle. And we do go into that, and uh, uh, Dimitri goes into that in the Telecommunist Manifesto, uh, gives an example of, of um, a good example of, um, uh, you know, trying to find an alternative to Facebook. Mm, yeah. Right? So, like, everybody says, like, uh, oh, you know, I mean, now, now Facebook is <laughs> ancient, but let's say, like, uh, uh, Instagram or, or TikTok or something, you know? Yeah. Like, you want to say, okay, I want Instagram and TikTok, but I don't want all the spying. I want to have, you know, control of my data. I don't want anybody to be able to censor me, blah, you know. And these, these, uh, these discussions were, uh, and they still are very pertinent, right? And, and there, was, there was a project called Diaspora. I don't know if you remember that or you heard of it, but there's also another project called Mastodon. I don't okay. know if you've heard of that. That's kind of an alternative Twitter. And, um, you know, which, which can be run on your own server if, you're, if you want to take the time to figure out how to run a server and also maintain the server because it's not just setting up the server, you have to maintain the server, right? The thing is that like, and, and Diaspora was quite famous because they got like a Kickstarter, they got several hundred thousand dollars, I think on their Kickstarter to start this like utopian Facebook. Okay. And, uh, you know, I mean, it all sounds great and, you know, it's all always a beautiful vision and people bought into it and it, it, it got a lot of press at the time because like, you know, people were concerned about the, the, you know, privacy disrespecting mm -hmm. uh, um, properties of, of being on Facebook and, you know, just, just being subject to the, to the arbitrary decisions of whatever that private company wanted to do with your data or do with you. And, and you can see yeah. that now. I mean, they, they can censor. It's not like it's a private space, right? So it's like a shopping mall. Yeah. If they don't want you in the shopping mall, they send the security to kick you out. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to like, preach communism or, or preach fascism, I mean, whatever, preach uh, misogyny or preach, preach whatever. And uh, whatever this, the, you're not bringing in the customers <laughs> with, with your, with your, whatever you're preaching, uh, sorry, you're, you're out. Okay. Um, so anyway, so uh, what, what was the impediment that blocked uh, the realization, the utopian realization of, of diaspora, for example? Well, that, the problem was that, and the same problem with Macedon, and same problem with all of these kind of uh, radically horizontalist uh, technological projects. Um, somebody has to run it, right? Yeah. It's not like it runs by itself. 
And, uh, you know, running a server is a lot of, it actually takes a lot of care and attention. And uh, it takes specialized care and attention. And those specialized care and attention people are expensive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so before you know it, if you get a lot of users, you're spending a lot of time maintaining your servers. Now, okay, now the, the purpose of it was it for it to be distributed, like, you know, that so like Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So like all that stuff is running distributed way, but nobody wanted to run it distributed. Nobody wanted to what? take care of their distributed node. Right. Sorry. Okay. To, so that yeah. would mean that uh, if I sign up, then then I take yeah. care of whatever part of the technology that I'm using, which would enable it to network with people around the world. Right. Exactly. It's like right. it's a question of where the data sits. You know, that's right. very important, like a very important, you know, fundamental principle of uh, of uh, of digital materiality, which is something like, you know, I teach a lot at, at the Udeka is that, you know, data is never immaterial. I mean, there is no immaterial. Anybody who says mm-hmm. anything is immaterial, they're 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 running a, a scam, <laughs> you know, because uh, uh, they're just hiding where the material is. Data is actually, you know, it's a charge, right? Data, I mean, digital data is an electronic charge in uh, a chipset or some kind of transistor somewhere, like, but it actually has to live somewhere. It has to live, it has a, a time and space. It has a place. It has a physical space. Yeah. Place. Every bit of data has a physical place. And that's why the, the questions of ownership have not gone away. Yeah. You know? So like who owns that, that, that particular tiny, tiny, tiny bit of real estate yeah. where your data is? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so the idea with, with uh, Mastodon or with, uh, with uh, Diaspora is that, yeah, you would run your own server and you would have your own data on your own server as well as all the data of all, the, all your friends or you know, you could also open it up to more of the community, depending on how, you know, ample your, uh, your affordance is. And, uh, and yeah, but you would have to maintain that server, uh, which was like connected to by like in a node structure, like in a, a network, you would be part of this kind of alternative network of uh, providing the data to the generality of, of uh, diaspora, as opposed to Facebook, who has all their servers in the same place. Or, well, they don't all have them all in the same place, but they have mostly, like, uh, anyway, organized central, centralized. Okay. And so th- the, the advantage, I mean, the, the kind of functionality that people expect on Facebook, for example, like persistence, you know, something like pe- people never think about. Like, you, you, write an, you write a message to somebody else, right? But they're not online, right? So mm-hmm. where, where does that message live while that person who is not online is going to, you know, will eventually get online and receive that message mm. right where mm-hmm. does it live yeah right with centralized architecture that's trip more that's not trivial but it's easier to do with than with this decentralized art, uh, architecture right okay and so like uh you know the 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 everybody thought about oh decentralized the web it's it you know we can all have this utopian web of services but yeah sure but the there is a there is a structural advantage to centralized architecture and centralized architecture requires a lot of capital. But know? then, if if I may just sort of yeah, kind of ahead. interrupt and, mm-hmm. and start on a, like a parallel thread, yes, would this not be then the same argument as to why communism is a utopian ideal? The fact that something that we see is, for whatever reason, what pervades in, in our culture is people not taking care or mm-hmm. not taking responsibility. You know, like, obviously, ideally, you know, we would have uh, democratic assemblies of citizens making decisions for their localities, mm-hmm. because it, it makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. And yet, if we can't even get, you know, people to tinker with and maintain a small piece of a server in order to have their privacy and their data protected, how can then we, we then expect uh, for a political ideology or a political system like communism to roll out? without it eventually having to be centralized? Well, it's a fair question. Um, I think there's, there's a few things that, um, that uh, you know, a communist would, would be able to respond with. Like, for example, uh, you know, there's a dissociation of, let's say, income with uh, contribution to social uh, necessity 
right? What, social, what society needs. So it's like, why are you paid anyway? No. You know, and what are you paid to do? And like, you know, so, I mean, one of the things that, you know, becomes quite clear when you start to try to take, uh, like, producing the likelihood of a, a tendency towards communism within prevailing, you know, capitalism today, seriously, mm-hmm. is that you, you have to think about how are people going to be able to reproduce their commitment to communism right. on a daily basis. And that means, like, for example, in, in, yeah, it's a, it's a very fair question because, like, in the open source movement, you know, where people are producing all, in, in numerous amounts of affordances in techno, technological affordances in software, um, they are mostly doing it in their spare time mm-hmm. or as a function of their job working for capitalists. Right. So they're, they, the capitalists have decided that some of the functionality that they're producing should be open source uh, because of, you know, interoperability that they need with other, with other projects in the world. Right. And so they've decided it's in their interest. So we're going to make we're going to make that part of our project open source. But the, all the all the development work is being paid for by, you know, uh, whatever exploitative practices the capitalist enterprises is involved in. And uh, otherwise, uh, people are working whatever for and that happens a lot here, you know, like uh, people working for Deutsche Telekom or uh, Telekom or whatever it's called now, uh, T online and uh, in their in their day job. And at night, after they put the kids to sleep, uh, they spend a couple of hours on a on an open source project. Yeah. To get the you know to feel that they're contributing to something like that they love, and that's meaningful to them, and mm-hmm. they do it in their spare time. Well, there's only so much spare time, yeah. and of course, capitalists will always ensure that you have as little spare time as possible, or that that spare time is being you know turned into the profit making time, mm-hmm. like Dallas Knife would, would say. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not like, I mean, there's, 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 there's structural impediments there too. Like, uh, so like, you know, why do people slack off? People don't want to participate in like running their whatever society or whatever, like to say that we could just like jump from now to like, uh, constituent assemblies or local assemblies or like Soviets or councils everywhere. And that we're going to like, you know, we're going to jump from the kind of bourgeois democracy structure now with like everybody doing a job to like some kind of, you know, uh, distributed uh, political um, structure. Uh, that's 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 that in itself is like, you know, ridiculous. Right. Mm. It's not like a, it's not going to happen from one day to the next. Yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, to your question, like, does it mean that? that communism is, is uh, utopian. Well, I mean, the kind of structures that, you know, the kind of structures that will be able to fulfill the needs of people in a more than adequate way, uh, we don't know. You know, we don't know how, I mean, Marx famously says, like, uh, we should not imagine the food trucks of the future. You know, like, uh, he doesn't say food trucks. He says, like, he says, Gakusha, which is like a open kitchen, but like, it's like a food truck. Okay. So let's not imagine what kind of food trucks we will need in the future. You know, we gotta we have more practical problems to deal with right now. And if we manage to generate the conditions under which, you know, more communistic practices and the tendency towards communism can can be strengthened during our time, you know, who knows what kind of communism may what what kind of social institutions or cultural institutions or whatever, how we will fulfill uh, our needs. Uh, will look like or will be in the future yeah. you know we have to we have to solve them now so uh we have to solve the, the challenges that we're facing right now right and of course we're, we're very limited um in the global north what you know what uh kinds of things that we can accomplish here since you know in the global north we benefit from uh, the, her- the heritage of colonialism mm-hmm. and imperialism that you know we are the victors mm-hmm. in, in so, to, so to speak. We have this ridiculous financial system which puts, a, puts every, you know, half the world in debt and in, in debt servitude to mm-hmm. us. So we're, we're in a very advantageous position with regard to like, you know, extracting their minerals or their labor force. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that puts us in a very unsolidary, you know, uh, in, in terms of the population, it doesn't serve the, nobody's going to run a political campaign here in Germany 
saying like, hey, we got to we got to give up a little bit for the good of of our neighbors to the south. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, nobody's going <laughs> to yeah. nobody's going to vote for that yeah. person. Right. So it's very, very difficult to build up like international solidarity. Right. Yeah. Or even, you know, local solidarity, uh, you know, in a meaningful way. I mean, it, unfortunately, I mean, we're still living in a in a situation where uh, strong uh, socialist uh, political campaigns, although they're very, very popular, um, like the Bernie Sanders uh, camp- campaign was extremely popular, mm-hmm. right? Bringing out huge amounts of, of people. Um, and Jeremy Corbyn also was extremely popular. Mm-hmm in in the uk before they it was mercilessly crushed by the elite uh forces by the media and and uh, mm-hmm. i mean and the people behind the media and people within you know their own party who are yeah exactly who are in their own party but they're there to yeah they're they're there to uh make sure that that no strong socialist program is ever put forward to the people. yeah and never even brought to uh uh, ne- never, never could be brought into Parliament as like the the, the program for any kind of mm. period of time. Mm. Well, there's yeah. such a lack of education though around these different uh, political theories and political systems. I mean, you hear uh, <laughs> in in the United States, you hear uh, members of the Senate, members of Congress, you know, talking about um, socialism and and giving the Nordic countries as an example of socialism and. You know, that, that's not an example of socialism. <laughs> you know, those are the countries in Europe that don't even have a minimum wage. What those countries seem to have is a pervasively good local culture and a culture of caretaking um, of, of their own. Um, and so there just never really seems to be a decent example of, of what socialism is. And then communism, as you say, is vilified. Um, I, I'm, you know, communism is the kind of thing that makes me a little bit nervous, uh, because the way that I perceive culture to be now is I don't think people are going to readily give up their nation states. And so what you're more likely to end up with is another USSR, uh, Soviet Union, which, which is frightening. Um, and certainly the examples of communism that communism existing in a neoliberal capitalist world that we have today, uh, <laughs> also frightening examples, um, a different kind of frightening to neo- neoliberal democracy. Um, so there's just no adequate kind of framework for creating something new, I feel, um, and certainly not enough uh, information about what those systems actually represent, what they mean and, and what they could do for for people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I agree. I mean, although although you do see an explosion of uh, of of more like of good and better analysis that is uh, emerging in in various social media and on podcasts and on YouTube and all over the place, there's a lot of commentators who are going there, who are daring to go there, you know. Mm. And it's just it's not that you know. It, first of all, it's, it's not that. Um, it's not that like communism in in and of itself necessarily leads to any particular, I mean, communism's not like not been realized anywhere. Right. Let's just make that clear. I mean, there are communist parties who like are in charge of like uh, countries like Vietnam and China. And those communist parties do not have any illusions that they have communism there. Right. Mm -hmm. They are working towards communism and they are there to shepherd the nation towards communism. But they are not communist countries, and neither was the USSR. It was not the USCR, right? It was the USSR. They were the Union of Social Soviet Socialist Republics because they were not, and they were, you know, they were socialist in to whatever degree you want to argue. But they at least had, I mean, the one thing for which the USSR, China, Vietnam, Venezuela, Cuba, uh, you know, nascently Bolivia. Um, uh, Nicaragua will never be um, uh, will, will, will never be forgiven by the imperialists for is that they uh, appropriated uh, they they redistributed 
capital. They redistributed ownership title. The, the principle of communism is ancient. It comes from the first technologies. As soon as we started to write, we had this crazy idea. You know what writing allows us to do? There's something that happened. You have a piece of paper or a piece of papyrus or a stone or something and it has some writing on it, right? And you look at that writing and you say, and, and, you, and you, you say, you, do, you don't need to say who wrote this, right? Before writing, knowledge, wisdom, whatever, understanding was always embodied in a person, in an authority, in a social relation. Mm -hmm. With writing, suddenly you had something, information, knowledge, Theory. something yeah. that, that, that you can evaluate on its own merits. You don't need to know who wrote it. It is just there. You can evaluate it on its own merits. Mind blown. <laughs> what? You mean I don't need to trust authority anymore? I can just think for myself? Wow. Whoa. And you know what you think of when you think for yourself? Everybody should think for themselves. We don't need authority anymore. Everybody can have equal opportunity. Whoa. We don't need these family hierarchical, you know, uh, patriarchal, whatever, matriarchal, nothing. We could just have, whoa, radical, you know, egalitarian, I don't know, distributed agency. Whoa. How do we manage that? So the, the, the instinct or the, the kind of intuition towards communism comes right at the earliest moment of history. But it's not easy. It's incredibly difficult because it goes against, in a way, for lack of a better word, and I, I problematize this very much in my writing, nature. It goes against nature. It is this infinitesimally thin line that distinguishes human activities. I mean, there, there is only an infinitesimally thin line which, that, which distinguishes human activities from nature. And that thin line involves social, sociality, because the only thing that makes us human, I mean, humanity is not a thing, it's a practice. Right, we know we're human because I know when I'm talking, you're understanding me. Mm. Like I don't know the I don't know if a dog's understanding me or understanding me in this way. I mean, they're understanding other things, <laughs> or a rock, or a cloud. I don't know if they're understanding me. They're understanding me in the way they understand me. But I know you're understanding me in a certain way. And that is human. Humanity is not a thing; it's a practice. And like, and if you think like, okay, everybody should be human. Everybody's human. We're all human. We're all equally human. Yeah, great. <laughs> now try to keep it equal. Now this is a struggle that is, that is a, a fundamental intuition that comes to us at the earliest days of technology. And we're still struggling with it. That is, and so people who are communists are trying to be true to this intuition. They're saying we should struggle towards a radical egalitarian, you know, like, at least egalitarian in terms of like prospects or like, you know, what you can do with your life. You know, I mean, not that everybody has to be like, you know, the number in a system, right? Mm. Just like, I mean, these are, these are, you know, in the, in, in the development, you know, whatever systems we've tried to do to kind of conceptualize it or systematize it, bureaucratize it over the years. Okay. Okay. Right. In principle, everybody believes that is a communist believes that you know we we need to try to find the way that 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 the true scientific way forward to build on knowledge and 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 the things we and to get the best out of knowledge and the and all the uh, understanding of the world that we have you know, through scientific uh, experiment or through investigating the world, and, you know, that all this knowledge that we generate and we share 
goes to the benefit and the enrichment and the amelioration of the conditions of everybody. Yeah. And that's what communists believe. Now, it, the, the, the impediments to this, the structural impediments to this are immense. Mm. It's, it's a epochal struggle. So to look at communism in any other way is, is, is meaningless. It's meaningless. So you, you see like there's some radical communist, he's, he's an apocryphal dude. We just celebrated his death or birth, I think death, right? I don't remember. Well, anyway, uh, uh, you know, we, we even organize our calendar around this, this, this person's story. That person emerged out of that tradition, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and you, I mean, that's something that who, uh, that you refers to, uh, Agamben refers to, you know, uh, good old JC, this is a old, good old JC, good old JC. Sure. Yeah. But this is the thing, like yeah. in theory, you wouldn't want anything else. And I think it would take a certain kind of disenfranchised. It depends who you are. Huh? It depends who you are. Okay. There's a lot of people who want something else. <laughs> a lot of people don't believe that. Well, a lot of people believe that that is against nature. You, you know, humanity needs to be disciplined, organized, and, you know, the family and a certain notion of family yeah, and a certain notion yeah, of... Like, yeah, yeah, fine. Beholdness. I mean, there's an yeah. element to which, you know... Ugh, like it's valid. People, you know, mm -hmm. there are people that do not want to take responsibility for the, the creation and the maintenance of society. There are people that like to be told what their role is and to, to fulfill that role. You know, there are mm -hmm. dutiful people. Um, not everyone's mm -hmm. born a revolutionary and that's also a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. The thing is, Certainly. Um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful theory, and I really, really like your analogy um, about when something is put in writing, uh, it can, mm -hmm. like theory becomes material and theory becomes something that can be expounded upon or added to or um, dissected, um, exemplified, whatever. It becomes something that can travel down through generations and impact generations. Um, and that's really, really exciting. Um, I think, of course, though, even though we have not, there has been no example of communism on a state level. And I completely agree with you on that. These are conversations that do need to be had, though, about communist states. If only, if only to never repeat that practice, if only to learn what went wrong. Well, I think we can't allow that project to impede our progress today you know uh, whatever you want to learn from the mistakes of the past and i agree we need to learn from the mistakes of the past but we have to learn from the mistakes of the ongoing mistakes of imperialism and absolutely today but this isn't that are still going on right yes, now of course but me and but, i mean you know you can you can but, you can argue all you want about uh oh the, the these people should have made a different decision well okay you know, the struggle is still going on right now. So let's just understand that we are in a struggle and there are mistakes being made everywhere, you know, and we're all trying to learn. But which project are you interested in developing? You know, which project do you want to commit mm. to? And this is uh, this, this is core. Like Sylvia Federici, after a nice, uh, interesting, uh, as always, like an incredibly insightful, I mean, she's talking about the influence, and maybe this is going other, also to your topic about how technology can uh, emancipate workers, right? So like mm -hmm. Sylvia Federici is looking very much at like how uh, the intensification and the, and the particleization of, of labor under the gig economy, so the below the API labor kind of delivery yeah. labor and like zero hour contracts and all this stuff, Characterization of labor is generating a lot of uh, domestic violence, in uh, especially like a, a resurgence of domestic violence in in Europe, which you know hasn't been seen for like you know many wow. years. And uh, and anyway, she 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 does amazing research. It's a very very important figure in feminist Marxism. And uh, so people were asking her after in the Q and A, like, okay, so what do we do? 
how do we, you know, how can we bring about, you know, a better society or whatever, some general question like that. She said, like, listen, there's already a lot of movements around which are militating for better conditions for, for people all around the world, in your neighborhood, in your country, everywhere. Just associate, if you have time and energy and ability, associate yourself, attach yourself to one of these movements and, and see what you can do for them mm. and help bring their program forward. Mm. And that's a positive thing you can do because then you are learning from the movement. It's not a question of knowing better. It's not a question of having the answers. You may have some answers. You may have some abilities, but it's they who have to lead. They have to, they have to be the ones who, uh, who know and who instruct you because they are in, they are the movement. They are not representing. They are the, the people who have aspirations of a better, of better condition. Mm. And that's, that's what you, that's, that's basic theory, you know? Yeah. So it's not an abstract thing. Just the movements are there. You don't need to make a movement. You don't need to invent something. Just associate yourself to the ones that are already there. No. No. Theory and practice. Yeah. So there's lots of movements now moving, uh, coming around, uh, precaritized labor, gig economy workers. Um, you know, there's like the uh, Amazonians in in um, in the states who are organizing, uh, and that's very, very important stuff. You know? And the, mm. of course, like the organizing, that it, the organizing itself may use technology, but it doesn't has very little to do with, with technology. I mean, it, uh, the fact that it's working in a highly technologized environment, then, then of course, those conditions apply. Mm, but, uh, okay. yeah. but yeah, I mean, you know, political power, political uh, agency, is something that is generated, you know, by the people, mm. and they're always in the majority. So you just got to follow, you know, you got to got to work for for them. Yeah, yeah, okay. And what is it um, that, like, if people wanted to join Telecommunistan to to help that movement, um, what <laughs> We're not you know, We're just artists, right? We are. Uh, we are trying to bring a certain discourse into the space where we operate. As I said at the outset, you know, we are we are working in the in the arts and theory academy on the edge of the academy in yeah in arts institutions, festivals, uh, conferences. We we kind of appear here and there in tech conferences or in in media theory conferences, and we're there to you know to to offer our, our, our understanding, our observations of uh, where we're at and, and, and yeah, make some suggestions. So, you know, like we have, uh, we, we, going back to blockchain, you know, for example, we have a, we have a cryptocurrency project. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that is a project uh, which tries to bring what's called the theory of value, which nowadays is referred to as the labor theory of value, but there is no, uh, at the time when it was articulated by Adam Smith, um, was just called the theory of value. And Marx just called it the theory of value because that's what it was, which is mm. that you know all value comes from labor. Mm. And that is something that is like contested by a lot of contemporary Marxists. Um, and by a lot of people that, you know, that's, there's some kind of realm of creation of value, which is not, which is dissociated from labor, which is like independent from labor. And we're trying to say in the cryptocurrency space and in the excitement around blockchain technology and, you know, cr the creativity the creative potential, the potential of humanity that can be unlocked through the blockchain, that, mm. that at the basis of all the value that's produced in, in, the, in a blockchain, in a cryptocurrency is labor. That is the value that's there. And that is, if you look at it, that is what the Austri Austrian economists would also agree. That 
even at the basis of the value of Bitcoin, the value of Bitcoin is all the machines, all the coal, all the, you know, all that stuff which requires labor to produce or to, to acquire. Um, that whole assembly, that whole massive, wild, global assembly of activities, mm. of productive activities, is the value of, that's in Bitcoin. The problem with Bitcoin is that they dissociate the issuance of the Bitcoin, so that how many coins are produced from the amount of work, they call it work, they even call it work, mm. that the computers do to produce the Bitcoin. Yeah. They, they have a different kind of schedule of issuance of, of Bitcoin. The Hackett, our cryptocurrency, removes that distortion. That's all it does. It's Bitcoin without the distortion so that you can see directly that you can have a currency that is directly representing, not representing, but it uh, actually, it, it, is, it is the value of the labor that's required to produce it, to verify it, you know, to make it work like Bitcoin as a reliable instrument of exchange of value on a network, on a distributed network. What does that mean, though? Does that mean that you um, are very careful about what kind of sources of energy that no. you... Okay, so no. what does it mean exactly? The, the, it's, it's like pulling back the veil a little bit. Okay. Right? So it's a revelatory gesture. It's like to show that the real value in all these cryptocurrencies is the labor that goes into them. Now, that that labor takes place in, under capitalism is a kind of a given. For example, all the labor that goes into this device that's recording us right now mm. takes place under capitalism mostly, mm -hmm. you know, or under capitalist conditions. Even in China, there are capitalist conditions. So, like, uh, all that val all uh, however that labor is um, exercised, however that however that labor takes place the labor that is in the device that was required for the device to take the form it does and perform the function it does uh -huh. is the value of of everything that is produced through that device and uh yeah so and and you but, know that but, yeah. but then what is what does it mean to to reveal that do you mean that oh, the your currency is, is transparent about the mm -hmm. the chain of labor do you mean mm -hmm. that you you de okay eventually so okay you have another thing you know the, there's two this is like kind of economics talk but sure um you have you have two elements and they're frequently uh, confused there's value and price mm -hmm. and so what you have is the value of something and you have the price of that thing Mm -hmm. Right. And like the, the price should gravitate towards the value, but it doesn't yeah. Yeah. always yeah. because yeah. of various conditions. Yeah. So Bitcoin makes it possible for the price to vary wildly from the value of Bitcoin. The hack mm -hmm. it, the price will remain close to the value of the uh, Okay. Yeah. So the price okay. will be the indication. And the oh, price will be this very, very interesting, you know, like, have you ever heard of this person called Hayek? Friedrich yes. Hayek? Yes. The Mar grandfather of neoliberalism. Right. Margaret Thatcher's favorite dude. Yeah. Economist. Yeah. 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 But, you know, strangely enough, and this is something you can read in like Philip Morawski is a, is a kind of a historian of neoclassical, neoclassical economics. Um, Hayek, first of all, he's a psychologist, right? Mm. He's only secondarily an economist. Okay. And Hayek was very, very concerned about, about something about the market. He, he thought, he believed that the market was this kind of magical or, you know. Mind. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was, a, it was like a, um, uh, a mirror or like a... a, a telescope or something, some way to look into the collective unconscious yeah. of society and detect 
you know, and detect valuable information that 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 even the assembly of society could not express themselves. Yeah. Through the Collecting. price system. Collecting right. all the different fragments of information from different parts of the world and different people that one person could possibly not know. Nobody and could possibly know it. And that somehow it revealed in that in the market. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and somehow, you know, uh, manners, procedures of producing things, moving things from country to country, you know, organizing labor, all of this could be reconfigured kind of seamlessly through this unconscious operation of the market, right? Through yeah. the instrument of price, right? And so it was very, very important for him that you know the that this market this magical market which was like reflecting human needs in a in an unconscious way not be tampered with right somehow not be intervened in by other things like government or bureaucracy or something yes right? otherwise it would lose its objective authority right, right. it would mm. it would lose its informative capacity its scientific yeah. you know value but Sure, Friedrich, but that has never, ever, ever been the case, mm -hmm. that there has been no intervention in the market. First of all, if you, I mean, it's very natural, and this was a, a kind of conceit of the liberals uh, who overthrew, you know, the monarchs, um, that once you, you know, the, the tendency is that uh, people will try to accumulate more uh, they of course through let's say free competition they get some advantage they will use their advantage outside the market to create conditions where they have a, 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 an advantageous position in the market sure right so they will manipulate the market with their power which they got from the market yeah so they're already manipulating the market they're tampering with the market yeah so they're ruining the whole psychological, you know, inf informational quality of the market just through operation of the market. <laughs> yeah. So this is not addressed in Hayek, right? Mm -hmm. And so like this, this, this kind of tendency also, of course, like one of the basic devices by which the, the people who have a marginal amount of power uh, seek advantage over others in the market is government. So yeah. capitalists will buy politicians to instantiate laws, regulations, or whatever, adjustments to however things are running to, you know, improve their advantage in the market so that they can get super profits. And that's, that's, that's not criticized in high. So like, so these so the 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 insight the insight the scientific insight of price it's not it's not a given sure you can it, it does give you good information and you do wish to have that available um but what is the system that will, <laughs> will guarantee that there is none there is no system that will guarantee well, that also we can benefit from it Human beings are also highly emotional and subjective creatures rather than objective. And yeah. I mean, it's been proven in psychology, in marketing, in economics as well, that separately to that on the side of the consumer, price does not reflect value and value does not reflect price. That, that too. But that, this, <laughs> this is, yeah, so those, those are, there, there are lots of realms where things dissociate, but on mm. a very, uh, on a very, you know, practical, uh, you know, fundamental level, uh, like what, what many people like to think about, you know, just to make sure that everybody's okay. You have a bed, you have a, you have a, you have a nice house, you, your house is warm. If, it's, if you're living in a cold country, uh, you have good, clean drinking water and sanitation, you have health care, you have uh, elder care, you have child care, you have enough to eat, you have uh, education, blah. Right. All yeah. those things have a price or they have like, you know, they have to be provided yeah. and that 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 you want to have that whole system to be as transparent as possible. Yeah. Right. So our cryptocurrency, you know, it's not that it's a, by any means any kind of panacea, because 
as uh, of course it, it 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 is something that is proposed into the space of people who are enthusiastic about blockchain and cryptocurrency especially in the realm of media art media theory uh, philosophy of technology those kind of people these are the people we're talking to with this you know mm-hmm. um and given that all cryptocurrencies especially like what's called proof of work cryptocurrencies like block, uh, bitcoin um are incredibly wasteful environmentally terrible uh but you know given that those are the conditions that we live in now we propose this little hack which is ironically called the hackit but it doesn't have anything to do with hacking hackit is just esperanto for of the hash a hash is a, a crypto a cryptography word for like a calculation so mm-hmm. it's the, the it, hackit means a calculation so every calculation is a material process is a process that is required where labor some labor has been required to make it and the value of that individual computational calculation can be devolved to a quantum of labor and that makes uh, the value that you can get from having a an affordance which allows you to transact uh, uh you know make make transactions buy things internationally ac- across a and reliably inter- uh, internationally across a distributed network uh it, it puts a value to that quantum of labor or it takes a, it, it 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 shows how much labor is required for that and there's mm-hmm. uh, there's a direct relation and this is amazing this is an amazing we haven't even started to scratch the surface of the insights that the hackit can provide they're certainly not you know of interest to a lot of people but for us uh this is very you know is is fascinating because it allows us to to build a kind of uh, alternative model of of knowledge production in in the computation in network computation which is grounded in the theory of value in the old theory of value which uh is still we maintain the fundamental way to understand all economic activity and all economic activity um you know we need to understand it in order to provide for ourselves to provide all the things we need mm. if we don't understand that i mean we can go back to like you know kin communal communities like smaller scale communities i mean we can't really but i mean we can imagine going back to that where we don't need to know economics we don't need to know how how economies of scale work but given that we live in these highly developed highly sophisticated industrialized economies and you know uh it just doesn't happen by accident right it's all the result of decisions right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you want your decisions to be informed by the best scientific analysis that's what we're trying to contribute to well from as much as i can understand it with my limited <laughs> you know understanding of of technology mm-hmm. um that it sounds exciting mm-hmm. and i'm i'm still kind of struggling how to you know if if it's right it's transparency it's being honest like the the price of of this thing that you can then use to to network and to participate in the you know global economy mm-hmm. will always reflect its value its labor mm-hmm. value mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a very revolutionary thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's Bitcoin is is. I mean, so much. I was going to say Bitcoin's so absurd, but like everything is kind of absurd today mm-hmm. in today's Correct. economy. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And, yeah. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of absurdity. Yes, that's the case. That's why we do really try to focus on our constituency, which is, as I said, you know, the media art 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 presentation yeah. museums festivals conferences because if we try to to get you know try to i mean yeah i mean that that's the only way that we can ensure whether uh, our message is at all getting across so the thing that i really really like hearing about uh the the telecommunist and car- cryptocurrency project is that it relates directly into what you were saying before about communism as theory and this is exactly expounding upon as you say you know the theory of value so taking that 
fantastic idea that's been written down on paper that hasn't yet been materialized in the world and connecting it uh, to the the economy in this way through a cryptocurrency. I think that's a, a really revolutionary and very exciting idea. Uh, and I wish you guys the best of luck with it because <laughs> I, I, I hope it, something can really, really come of it. Well, I mean, it, it, it in and of itself will, will not do I mean, we'll, we'll do only the most infinitesimal amount to to help things along the way. It is it is there as all artworks are to bring people together to discuss the conditions that they're confronting mm. in a meaningful way. That's what all artworks are there for, and that's what we hope to do. We want to bring people together to discuss our conditions in a meaningful way. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Burick. I think it's uh, an exceptionally meaningful thing to do <laughs> in and of itself. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. Yeah. Sure. Well, thank you very much, Burick, for, for coming on the show. I found that really, really interesting. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Rachel. All the best. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. You too. Hello, hello. You can find the link to Telecommunistan in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. Before you go, please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and subscribe to Platform Enterprise on YouTube or at www.platformenterprise.com. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast, everyone. See you next week.